Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, and I'm joined by Thomas Harrington. We have a special show um, well, we're not going to really talk about the Ducks games. Um, we're going to focus on the trade deadline since that's coming up. And uh, Eddie is uh, still dealing with some personal stuff like we talked about on the last show. Um, so I have Thomas here with me. We're going we're gonna to break down. We're pretty much going to go through the Ducks' entire roster is kind of how the show is going to go. We're going to talk about the defense, the offense, the goalies, um, and maybe some unique trades and things that, that could maybe happen and just kind of our overall feel as the trade deadline approaches. So... Uh, thanks for joining again, Thomas. I'll probably have you on a couple more times as the season goes. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And yeah, happy to phone for Eddie when he can't make it. All right. Well, let's just dive into it. Uh, just a quick reminder that the podcast is uh, part of the Old City Sports Network. Uh, a lot of sponsors on there. Check them out. Uh, Norse Beards is one of their ones for your grooming needs. Uh, Norsebeards.com and OCS is the uh, code for a discount. So, all right. With that... Let's let's dive into this. Lot, lots of news about the Ducks uh, recently, actually, with uh, you know trade rumors flying, uh, all kinds of different things going on. We'll, we'll start out with the defense, uh, kind of break it down a little bit. The Athletic had their top 25 trade list. Klingberg, uh, no surprise, was in that top 10. He was number six. You had Kulikov on there and Shattenkirk as well. So we'll start out with uh, Klingberg. Um, you know, we, we knew going into this season that, uh, you know, it looked like he's going to be traded at the, um, the deadline, um, the UFA, he's got his modified no trade clause, which kicked in in the middle of the season. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's gone at the trade deadline. I think the question is, as to what teams and, and for what kind of value. And I think that's kind of the issue. Um, he did kind of have a minor injury recently, but it sounds like he'll be okay. But but Thomas, what do you what do you think? You know, a lot of people are like first round pick. You know, uh, let's try and you know sign him. Let's get the Ducks above the cap floor, which is what they did. Um, but you know, the way things have turned out this season, haven't quite gone what the Ducks expected. No, and it's fair to say Klingberg on a team full of disappointments has arguably been the biggest disappointment for the team. Like we thought, it'd be one of two things: either. A, he's fitting great and may not lead the Ducks to the playoffs, but help them be competitive. Or B, the Ducks are bad. He'd at least be good and could get a great return at the deadline. Well, it's been C, neither of those things. The Ducks have been awful, and so has he. And what was what I thought was a sure first-round pick back in the summer, if he was traded, honestly, I'm hoping it's similar to what we got from Manson last year. A second-round pick and a good prospect. Not a great one, but a good one. And that feels like it's settling, but with the seasons he's had... Honestly, that even that might be hoping for too much at this point. Yeah, it's it's kind of rough. I, I I'm almost at the point of you know taking a second round pick and running. <laughs> I hate to say that, but that's kind of where I feel. I'm, I'm with you. I, I would like another prospect, and maybe not not a great one as you suggest, but you know at least something decent. Uh, it, it's been tough. I mean, he's he's had seven goals in 48 games. Um, his plus minus is negative uh, 29, which is the worst on the team. Granted, we, like we talked about, the blue line for the Ducks has been just beyond awful, unfortunately. But I, that's what I'm kind of thinking as a second-round pick. And, and, you know, and it just depends on, you know, he's a, he's a rental candidate for a contender. Unless a, a contending team wants him and then wants him long-term, maybe that does where you get that other pick in there. But, but what are some teams that you think maybe the Ducks um, can shop him around for, uh, Thomas? So you've got to be the kind of team who I think needs help on the power play because let's be honest, Klingberg is not going to help you defensively, but he can help you score some goals. He can help a struggling power play. So a couple teams that jump out to me, first and foremost is Carolina. They are, as of Wednesday night, 22nd in the league on the power play. They are one of the best teams in the league this year. And frankly, I think they're one of the few teams that has a chance against Boston, but that power play is potentially a huge weakness. If they can bring in Klingberg and he can reinvigorate it, that could be huge for them. So I think Carolina is one to really watch. Um, one that's mentioned before, Seattle, they've got three second-round picks. Um, heck, two of those, that'd be amazing for Klingberg at this point. Um, Washington's fading, but another team who wants to make the playoffs, they've struggled in the power play. And Vegas also, not that great, 19th in the power play. Um, New Jersey, 
one of the biggest surprises for me this year is 18th on the power play. I think any of those teams make a lot of sense for Klingberg because they need help on the man advantage. So someone like Klingberg, maybe he gives them that extra boost, even if it's just on the second power play, just making them a little more dangerous. Um, but you need a team like that. So I think any of those teams, maybe Calgary even, maybe even Pittsburgh is a team that's going to make the playoffs. Well, Calgary might not, but they're hoping to, and a better power play might get them there. So I think it's battling for the playoffs. And he's help on the power play is what I think makes the most sense for Klingberg at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, one of the teams you mentioned, too, that was in there recently in the news that was interesting was Vegas. What did you think about the trade that they did? Because it looks like they're trying to clear out some cap space and, and, you know, obviously make some more deals. I mean, I think it's almost every deadline. Vegas has made a big, splashy move, and they did recently put Barkstone on long-term reserves, so they have a surprisingly ungodly amount of cap space right now, um, despite having a huge payroll. So, you know, they wouldn't take Klingberg at 7, but Klingberg at 3.5 I think could be very interesting to them. Um, so yeah, they they potentially could be a huge player at the deadline because of the stone on the uh, on long-term IR and also getting rid of uh, Weber's cap hit to uh, Arizona, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's what I took as that as well. So I, I mean, I think Vegas is definitely a team to watch. One that, uh, as you point out, the Ducks could, uh, you know, potentially make a trade for too as well. And if not Klingberg, you know, the other defensemen that have been out there mentioned a lot. We we had Kulikov listed on there, Shattenkirk. Um, I, to, my feeling is, is maybe one of these two goes. I don't know if both. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. You got Kulikov at two point two million. Uh, he's also got modified no trade clause, eight team, you know, no trade list. Some teams that have been connected to him were Boston or LA. I, I don't really know about the Kings. The Ducks and Kings don't trade so much, but uh, Donald was the last one they did, and that was what 15 years ago or something. Y- yeah, I think you're right. I have to double check, but you're right. It, it's definitely been over a decade for sure. I mean, the Ducks and Kings, they just they just don't make trades. But yeah, I, I think that was like the second trade ever was when it was O'Donnell. And I don't think it's been one since then. Yeah, they, they. I think you're right. They haven't made many, uh, two or three max for sure. So I, I don't. You know, some people mention LA. I, I don't. I don't see LA being one in there. But uh, Gravikov is. Um, one that's a big front runner out there, and some people are thinking if he doesn't go to Boston, that maybe Boston is in the mix for Kulikov. So I'm really interested to see. Um, you know, a good point here is you've got Shattenkirk, right? The more aging veteran, 3.9 million. Uh, you know, the UFA at the end of the season also modified uh, no trade clause. Um, it sounds like he's been open to having an extension with the Ducks, but that hasn't happened. Um, Peter LeBrun thinks, you know, the Ducks would be more likely to trade him than Kulikov. Um, that's kind of my feeling too. I, I mean, again, this goes towards the rebuild and what kind of rebuild we're doing. Uh, I, that's what I would think. I, I would think that they would go more with Shattenkirk being traded and keeping Kulikov, but I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think between these guys? Um, what's your, what's your take, Thomas? I think Shattenkirk, I mean, he's clean book light, right? He's a right-hand defenseman. He brings offense from the blue line, but he's not as good. He is older. So, Klingberg light. So, a team that misses on Klingberg, maybe they'll take Shattenkirk for obviously less than what Klingberg is paid for. Kulikov is a different market. I think Boston makes sense because, you know, they're one of the best teams. They are the best team in the league right now, full stop. And they have to be one of the favorites for the Stanley Cup. And when you're the favorite with very few holes in your roster, what do you always want to get just to be safe? depth on defense. So I think Kulikov makes a lot of sense for Boston because that's exactly what he is. He's depth on defense. He can be that 6th, 7th, 8th defenseman on their team that maybe plays a few games in the playoffs, maybe plays none, maybe plays every game, but you know what you're going to get from him in a very limited role. So I think Kulikov to Boston makes a ton of sense. Kulikov to LA makes less sense, but you know what? If LA is willing to overpay for him, I will happily trade Kulikov to Los Angeles. Do it if you can get a great return from them. The other thing to keep in mind, though, as the Ducks are moving out, Klingberg and others, is to keep an eye on the salary cap. The Ducks do need to stay above the floor. So in that regard, keeping Shattenkirk might make more sense because of a higher salary than Kulikov with a 3-9 versus 2-2. So we'll see. Honestly, if I had my way, I would try and trade all three, uh, assuming you can get a half-decent return for all three. If the best you're going to get for Kulikov or Shattenkirk is a seventh-round pick, and you think resigning one of them for next year to help just be a vet for the young guns, 
I'm okay with that too, because Shattenkirk, as a veteran presence for to help with Drysdale, to help with Zellweger, Mitchikoff, is probably worth more than a seventh round pick to the Ducks next season. So it all depends on what the return is. Personally, I think trade them all. But if the return's that low, having a veteran D-man is not a bad thing. So I'll, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate because I, I've seen some people that were concerned about this. So say you, you do trade all three and and the returns are, you know, the draft picks or maybe prospects, but not not necessarily another defenseman on your roster. Are, are you somewhat concerned? Because now you're looking at, okay, you still have Fowler if he doesn't get moved. It, it doesn't seem like he will. He hasn't really been talked about as much. You have Beaulieu on there. You have White, Benoit. Um, you have Vakaninen, which is on the IR. We haven't heard a whole lot about him. Um, Drysdale maybe comes back at the end of the season. It, we don't know. Again, I haven't heard a lot about him. But what's your feeling? Uh, you know, what what would the Ducks do? Like if they if they ship out these three guys, you know, they get whatever returns that they get, but they don't necessarily get a top four defenseman. Does that concern you at all? It doesn't. It doesn't because. Even with them, the Ducks have been awful. Can they really be that much worse with someone else in there? And I don't know. Maybe, God, I hope not. But you never know. I, I think what's going to happen is after the deadline, assuming one to three of them are traded, because um, to me, Klingberg has to be traded. If Klingberg's not traded, to me, that's a failure by Verbeek. Agreed. The other truth or not, I don't think that's a failure. But if, if Klingberg's not, that is a failure. Um, you can bring up Michael Delzato from San Diego. The Ducks reacquired him a little while ago. And he's been actually one of the few decent players for the goals this season. Um you could bring up, you know, Oli Levy, Austin Strand. You can have um, Drew Hellison make his angel debut. Um, you've got some players in San Diego, even though the goals have been bad, you still could at least give them a chance to the NHL to give them a taste of it. Um, also, it does sound like when his call sheet is over, Jackson Lacombe will sign with the Ducks. So he's someone else who actually could get some time in the NHL. Uh, probably sometime in, I think the NCAA term is over in mid-April usually. Um, so depending on how far they go can uh, impact when he can join the team. Um, so there are players they could bring up. And also, like, you know, you trade Klingberg, you can also bring back, um, you know, whoever, let's say Klingberg is traded to Calgary. If they have a seventh defenseman, you can take that seventh defenseman back as well because they probably will need to get rid of some cap space anyways, and there's somebody they can then plug in. There also will probably be defense on waivers between now and the trade deadline. Um, that's how... Who was, they got? was it Delzato at the deadline who was on waivers last year that they picked up? Or There was someone a year or two ago they picked up on waivers just to fill in as an angel body. So they can probably look to do that again this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right that they... It'll definitely have to bring up some people from um, the goals for sure. I, I did like White and Strand how they did earlier in the season. Their, their analytics were actually pretty decent, so maybe yeah, that you was give surprising. them. Yeah, that was maybe maybe you give them a shot, right, and let them do their thing. And then, like you said, you have Hellison as well. Delzato. Delzato's interesting because he was involved in that three way trade, and that's something I think the Ducks should keep an eye on. Um, th this trade deadline is, you know, looking at the cap space for a lot of these teams, if you go on cap friendly, <laughs> a lot of the, the teams don't have cap space. A lot of them are using LTIR. I want to say uh, looks like a, a, a almost half, teams. Yeah, half the league. I was just going to say half the league is up against the cap. You know, using LTIR is crazy. So I think that, I mean, I don't want the Ducks to go crazy and do a lot of these, you know, maybe these three-way trades. But, I mean, Thomas, I, I, I think it may happen that the Ducks could be somehow involved in a trade like that. Or maybe you see something like the the Weber thing where the Ducks take on a, a, someone's contract to get picks. Especially, like you said, if Klingberg and Shattenkirk are both moved out. Because now you're talking about, you know, a big chunk of cap space going out. So I, I think that's another thing that maybe the Ducks look at. I think so too. So for the Ducks, when they trade Klingberg, I'm anticipating that they will keep half of the salary, 3.5 million, and you can retain salary on three contracts. So they'll retain salary on his. For the rest of them, I don't think the Ducks necessarily want to retain salary because, you know, Kulikov at 2.25 million, you could retain, but it's not going to make a big difference either way. I think they're more going to try and bring someone back in that regard. Um, so if you're only retaining salary on one player you move out, um, they could absolutely be a third-party broker. I mean, Minnesota bought themselves a fourth-round pick by being part of the uh, the O'Reilly trade to Toronto. So if let's say let's say Patrick Kane gets traded, mm -hmm. the Ducks could very easily pick up a quarter of his cap hit and get paid, you know, a fourth-round pick by whoever the team who's getting Kane is. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something the Ducks should 
absolutely explore. Get a free fourth round pick. You've got a ton of cap space. You're not going to actually owe the player very much money because it's a quarter of his remaining salary for the season, which is what a quarter of the season. So, like, let's say I'm not sure what Kane's exact cash value is, but let's say he's owed ten million dollars. So, a quarter of that is two point five million for the rest of the season, and then it's a quarter of that two point five is what the Ducks would actually have to pay him. So that's pretty cheap to buy a fourth round pick in my mind. So if you can get a fourth or like even a third round pick by doing that, absolutely. There is actually a really interesting one, and that's Eric Carlson in San Jose, who signed for, what, four more seasons? And there's no way San Jose trades him without retaining salary. But they don't want to retain his lot of salary because his cap hit is over $11 million. And it would be really hard to get another team to uh, be a third-party broker in that case because you don't want to take dead cap for, for four future seasons. But if, let's say, Edmonton was taking that back and the Ducks could get two first-round picks or something, like, or like a first-round pick from Edmonton and like a second-round pick from San Jose, in that case, I would consider that scenario, but I still think that'd be very unlikely to happen. It's interesting, you, you you know, and you also you brought up San Jose, which I know Eddie and I had talked about before. We had talked, you know, Kane has been one. We had talked about um, also with Chicago too. I, I think maybe there's something with either one of those um, to happen because it, it sounds like Patrick Kane could be on the move now. Um, there's a report that the Rangers uh, could be interested in him. Um, there's there's all kinds of stuff that um, is is going on that. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it's interesting to see. Clause. Go ahead. He's got he's got a full removal clause, so it's he has the power in this. If he wants to leave, he can say I will leave only to X Y Z, or he can say you know what I'm going to stay here. Um, so he's he's got the power in this situation. It, it's interesting. I, I, I don't. I just I'm really curious to see what happens in Chicago. They're also saying that you know maybe some players may be interested. Uh, and and Jonathan uh, Taves as well, which I think is a crazy situation because he's had some health issues. So I'm really curious to see um, what's going to happen with um, Chicago, Patrick Kane, Taves. I'm curious to see San Jose as well. And I think that the Ducks somehow could end up in one of those three-way trades. Um, you know, like you said, maybe try to get a pick out of that. Um, that might be the best way to go. Um, and this, so it's another thing to keep in mind as we work our way um, through the trade deadline. I wouldn't be, you know, totally shocked if something like that happens. But I, I don't want it to be crazy. I don't want the Ducks to be doing like two or three of these. I, but I, I could see maybe one of those happening um, with some of those teams that you're that you're mentioning there, Thomas. Yeah, and I think Tays. I think I saw because of the long COVID, he's not going to be traded. Um, he's going to focus on getting healthy and, you know. Honestly, maybe he retires after this year because of uh, the COVID issues he's been having. But maybe he comes back next year. We'll see. Yeah, I think the same thing. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I saw a little rumor on there just recently. Uh, recently, so I was like, huh, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I doubt it, but I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, unfortunately, and I wish the best to him. You know, in, in his whole situation. Um, so, so the, the blue line, we're pretty sure that something's going to happen here. We're, you know, we think Klingberg should go. I agree with you. If he's not moved, that's a failure. Um, we, we think the Ducks move one or both Kulikov or Shattenkirk. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, talking about offense, it, it, I mean, I think the core is there. We've talked about Terry. Um, we've talked about Zegers. Of course, Terry's out hurt. Um, and, and, and McTavish, you've got the core three. And then other names have come up. You know, you had Elliot Freeman talking about Comtois and thinking that, you know, that the Ducks need to move on him. Uh, we heard talk about it last uh, trade deadline. It, it didn't happen. Um, one thing that Eddie and I talked about was maybe Paul Yarby. He's been kind of struggling. Uh, if that's something that could be in the works or something like that. Um, he's been scratched a lot. He's only got five goals in 44 games. Um, so talking offensively, uh, working our way through some of the lineup here, what is your thought on Comtois as his name is now resurfaced again uh, per Elliot Freeman? I think it's time, unfortunately. Um, his game, for whatever reason, has really just gone downhill, and I think he, he needs to change and the Ducks need to change. And, you know, if he takes off, when he, if he does leave, then great for him. If he doesn't, then, well, that's unfortunate. It was what? A couple years ago, he had 16, 17 goals and looked not like a future star, but like a very good young winger to have for a very long time. And for whatever reason, these last two years, he has just hit a wall and just regressed severely, unfortunately. I know, and I, and I think that's the other issue, too, is like what kind of value can you get for Comtois? I mean, it's $2 million RFA, you have his rights. I mean, 
if you're not trading for a player, I mean, are you, are you thinking, you know, third round pick? I mean, I, I maybe. don't, maybe. What do you think? Uh, I'd like a second round pick. A third round might be more likely. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's one of the team like Buffalo would be interested in because, again, they want someone who's not a rental but someone they can keep around for a long time. So as a restricted free agent, they control his rights for at least the next couple of years, if not long term, if they were to sign him long term. Though I don't think anyone would do that right now. But I think a team like Buffalo or Detroit would be more interested in him um, than a team like, let's say, Boston. You know, the sad thing is, is watch, he gets traded and then he goes off. I just, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't know. It's just, we've seen it before, but, you know, that that's one thing I'm afraid of. Yeah, I mean, sometimes players just need something different. I mean, we know he can score, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's confidence, is it his work ethic, is it his something I can't identify is just not working right now. And I don't think it's just Aikens either. Like, Aikens gave him a lot of chances, a lot of rope, and he just has not been able to put it all together for two years now. Yeah, and there's also been a little bit of talk of like attitude uh, in the locker room too, possibly, um, as well, and maybe that's why he's been scratched a couple times. I mean, not, not, nothing verified on that front, but there's there, there's been talk of that, that maybe he's not, you know, fitting in, um, you know, or with the team um, a little bit, unfortunately. So if that's the case, then then maybe, you know, it's definitely time to move on from him. But I, I definitely think that he's one that's going to be shopped around. Uh, some of the other more common names we know, um, again, Elliot Freeman mentioned this in his last article, was Henrique. Um, he's got that $5.8 million contract, UFA in 2024-25, and he's also got modified no-trade clause. A lot of the, the, these guys have that that we're talking about. Um, I'm really curious because with him, I think there are some teams out there that could take on a center. Uh, I know Eddie talked about Colorado. He actually wrote that in an article at the end of November when we were talking about we were talking about trade this is how bad the duck season is we were talking about trades at the end of november with this team i mean just two months into the season but <laughs> colorado was one that he had mentioned obviously eddie follows the abs too but i'm, I'm kind of concerned now because he got hurt in this last game against tampa bay we don't know the extent of the injury um so i i mean i don't know if we will know because obviously the trade deadlines are up around the corner but i wonder if that's going to be a stumbling block and then the, the other part of course is going to be the contract too if anybody's willing to take that on or if the ducks um retain some of it um and then see how maybe draft picks work out in that i mean i don't know i i, I would have said before the tampa bay game i would have said oh there's a good chance he's gone but but i don't i don't know the status of the injury so i don't know with henrik it's, it's kind of a question mark now for me um thomas if it's a minor injury then I, I think there's a good chance but we just we just don't know where he's at after that game i even if he's out for like let's say the next three or four weeks you still have at least for this playoff run and next year as well so he still has decent value but definitely is a little impacted I think Colorado makes sense, I and mean, I think ever since they lost Kadri over the summer, they've been looking for a new second-line center. I don't know if Henrique is the answer, but he could certainly help fill that role. As for retaining salary, the issue with Henrique is you are retaining it next year, and again, since teams can only have three retained salaries, you are already limiting yourself going into next season by doing that. Um, so if you retain Henrique's salary, or, or anyone signed beyond this season, you really want um, to get... Uh, something really extra for that. That's why I was said, you know, if you did Carlson earlier, that's retained salary for four more seasons. You need a lot to take back in that regard. So for Henry right now, he might net you a second round prospect. He might net you just a first. If you're retaining salary on Henrique, you need a first and a prospect because you are limiting yourself next year if you are retaining salary on him. Yeah, I, I agree because you're right. You got the extra year in there. So, you know, if the Ducks do retain uh yeah a first round pick should be coming back so that's definitely one i think that they'll entertain as well and there are some teams out there that need centers so you know i still think that there's a market for him i i just you know hopefully the injury is not serious like you said you're right though say he was out for a week or two he's still there to make that cup run for a you know a contending team a playoff push and then you do have next season so so maybe uh it doesn't hurt his value as much like you said so that one's another one like you know take note on it he's been mentioned before you know nothing new uh we knew when he was you know sent down with bob murray and all that went on and then you know obviously he's been in better graces with verbeek but doesn't mean that he's safe he can still be on the move another one with a contract that's that's kind of interesting and obviously his name's been floated out there too is silverberg uh 5.25 million uh also ufa in 20 
24, 25, um, and been struggling. Um, you know, six goals in 56 games this season. I, I With him, I think it's even tougher. I, I don't think the value is as high there as Henrique, unfortunately. Um, you know, Hen- Henrique's had a decent season where, where Silverberg's, you know, struggled um, mightily recently. So, I mean, I think the Ducks try and shop him around, but I don't know if there's a, a really solid value that they can get in return for him. Um, what do you think, Thomas? I The one thing Silverberg has going for him is he is a proven playoff performer. He was great every time in the playoffs, and except I think 2018 when they were all bad um, for the Ducks. And even though he's not the player he once was, he could still be very valuable to a team for two postseason runs. But I, right now, I think he has little value. I think he's much more likely to be traded next year um, than right now because teams aren't going to want him for you know a year and change. They want him for a couple months, and that's it as a rental. So I think next year he's much more likely to be traded than he is this year. And uh, unfortunately, the injuries have really just slowed him down. But hey, maybe there's a team that's like, you know what? He was great in the playoffs um, five, six years ago. He Maybe he'll be great now. But I, I just don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know if it happens. And if it does, you know, the value is maybe not as high as what we think it is. Maybe he, you know, bounces back towards the end of the season or the beginning of next season. And maybe it works out a little bit better. Um, another one that's kind of interesting uh, you have Derek Grant in the mix, um, which, you know, he, he's been okay this year. He, has, he hasn't been horrible, but I don't know. Um, with him uh, being, you know, a UFA at the end of the season, his contract was only $1.5 million. Um, maybe someone tries to pick him up as a, as a fourth-line uh, player for, you know, a $1 million deal, um, you know, uh, later on down the road or something, and sign him to another year. But I, I could see Grant going maybe for a pick or something. What do you What do you think on um, moving Derek? Is you know he's a UFA too at the end of the season. I think it makes sense to try and move him, but he's only played what twenty games this year because of injury. So I think because of that, the market is going to be more limited. So the when the Ducks last traded him was in twenty twenty. Um, they got back a fourth round pick and a minor league player. And at this point, that's probably the best you can hope for because of how little he's played this season. Um, but yeah, if you, if you can trade him uh, and get a similar return, great. I'm just not sure what the market is going to be for him or how many teams are going to be that interested in him. Yeah, I agree. He, he has limited action for sure. So that, that's another thing to take in consideration as far as moving him out. I mean, some kind of a pick maybe, but you know, if it's, it may be a super low pick and it might not even be worth it. Maybe you just, you let him walk next season or, or maybe you do sign him to like a real, you know, like I said, $1 million deal and bring him back for a year. Um, and he's usually plays his best hockey with the ducks. So why not? Yeah, exactly. So that, that might be the possibility with him. Maybe you just bring him back as a depth guy. You know, one other person that's kind of interesting on here is what do you think about Isaac Lundestrom? You know, 1.8 million RFA at the end of the 23-24 uh, season. He's, you know, he's had flashes of greatness, but he's, he's also been kind of inconsistent. Um, you think that that's a guy that maybe the Ducks put out there? I mean, um, you know, he's just got the, the couple couple goals this year in 37 games, but, um, uh, he you know, Shoney can play. He's one I would definitely consider dangling, but he is one I would not trade unless it was actually a really, really good offer because his offense this year has been non-existent, but let's be honest, that's been true for a number of players. He's missed time because of injury, but honestly, since coming back, I thought he's been one of the Ducks' better forwards. I know that's not saying a lot, but he's still actually been surprisingly good. He's only 23. He's a natural center. He can also play wing. He's good on a PK. He signed to a cheap contract through next season. He is a... Not great, but he's a good third, fourth line center. And you know what? The du- because that eight to the Ducks don't need to trade him. If someone like, say, Buffalo wants to go and say, hey, I'll pay you a lot to get Lundstrom, absolutely trade him in a heartbeat. He's not someone who I would put on the don't do dare trade list, like I would say Zegris or Terry. But he's someone I put on the list of, you know, right now, make it worth my while to, if you want him from me. Because he actually does have decent worth to a team because of that age, because of that cap hit. And even though he hasn't shown up this year, because of that um, all around ability he has. Yeah, I mean, he's only 23 years old, as you said, and you know he can play center, he can play wing. I mean, if you're if you're gonna move out Henrique, um, you know, obviously you still have Zegers at center. Uh, if they want to keep playing him there, McTavish at center too. Depending on what the Ducks want to do, it seems like they've kind of 
messed around with both those guys a little bit as far as they're, they're playing. But, I mean, you could have those guys potentially at center and then Lundestrom as well, and that can that can be your, your three guys there. You also have Strom, obviously, in the mix too. So you still have enough centers is what I'm getting at uh, if you move Henrique and then you know keep Lundestrom in the mix unless they try to go get someone else. Obviously, as we talked about, Grant too, but that's fourth line. I uh, don't, don't really know if there's a future for Grant with the Ducks um, at all. Um, this season but um, yeah the offense it doesn't seem like as much may happen at the trade deadline uh, as we talked about the Ducks have their their, their big three so to speak Zegers, McTavish and Terry um, they're going to try and build around that that you know they picked up Strom and Vetrano I, I don't see those guys going anywhere um, you know the, the top heavy contracts as we talked about are Henrik or Silverberg so I, I think the Ducks will try to to move those maybe one of those goes so uh like we talked about in the defense, you know, you talked about it could be all three. Um, I'm, I'm thinking at least two out of three. Here, I'm thinking um, it's going to be probably at least two. And if I had to predict, I would say Comtois and Henrique are probably the ones that get traded in terms of the forwards. What, you, what is your final say, do you think, Thomas? I think Comtois is probably the most likely. And after that, it's either Henrique or Grant. Um Grant, again, it's not a lot of market, but he's someone, you know, a contending team would like to have for cheap. I could see him being moved. Um, Henrik takes a little more uh, difficulty because of that contract going into next season and if the Ducks are willing to retain on that salary or not. So I, I think Comtois is the most likely. And then I could see, um, I think second is either Henrik and or Grant. All right. Um, before we move on, we got we got a big section here on the goalies that we'll talk about, and maybe some unique trades uh, coming the Ducks' way. Just want to remind you guys that are part of the Old City Sports Network. Um, a bunch of the uh, different sponsors we have, they're all listed in the description box with all the codes and everything in there. Um, so check them out on there. Uh, one of the good ones we have is Fanatics. You can go in there and get Ducks uh, gear for a discount as well. So check it out all in the description box. All right, so I guess the the big part of this is in net. A lot of talk uh, about Gibson in previous seasons. Now there's more talk about him now. Um, he was mentioned in an NHL.com article. Um, Elliot Freeman uh, mentioned him in his recent 32 Thoughts article. He uh, also went on Duckstream and talked about him as well. <laughs> so a lot of talk about in net and, and like what do the Ducks do. So we, we kind of have an idea of defense and offense, what they're going to kind of do. Maybe not too many surprises. Um, based upon kind of, you know, I mean, we could be completely wrong, but from what we're hearing and talking about, sounds like what we're saying, some of those things are going to happen. Um, maybe not big surprises. The question now is in goal, big debate. <laughs> I feel like this is a debate in every Ducks post, especially when, the, when, the, when they lose, people go nuts on this. But um, you have Gibson, you have Stolars, you have Dostal. You know, what are the Ducks going to do? Um some people are talking about, like on the NHL.com article, they said, hey, if the Ducks trade Gibson, they're going all in, like full rebuild, just you know, just tear it down, let's go. Another option they were saying is, hey, hang on to him, wait till the Ducks are a contender again, and, and do it. And I thought it was interesting reading the article, because they kind of went back and forth, and they talked about um, stuff we mentioned on the show, how, how Gibson's trade value was higher uh, maybe a couple seasons ago, and now obviously it's gone down a little bit. But um, I don't know. I, I think out of these three, someone's got to go. Uh, I kind of lean more towards Stolars, but that's kind of my, my initial thing. What, what do you think, Thomas? I mean, a lot of talk about this, especially Gibson lately. You think the Ducks full rebuild, tr trade Gibson, and roll with like Stolars and Dostal? Or you think they trade Stolars and, and, and go the other way? What, how do you feel about this? So I think one of the most important things the Ducks can do right now is after the deadline, make sure Dostal is on the roster the rest of the season. That means Trent Gibson, Stolars, or waving Stolars, doesn't matter. Make sure Dostal's with the Ducks and getting, you know, half the starts going down the stretch. And let's really see what he can do against Angel competition. And I think he's looked good, but not great. But, you know, behind this defense, who would look great? Even Marty Berger is going to struggle behind this team right now. <laughs> so let's give him a taste of Angel action. Really make sure you're comfortable with him. And next year, have him not be your starter, but probably be your backup. And maybe even take over the starter event um, later that year or the year after. But I, you want Dostal in that as much as possible facing Angel competition, I think, to end the year. So that means you got to figure out what to do with Gibson to Stolars. The easiest thing is to trade Stolars, or at least that's what I thought going into the season. Unfortunately, he's been injured, and 
again, because of behind this team, his numbers have been bad this season, just like Gibson's. So his trade value is unfortunately really low. I think it would be better if the Ducks had traded him last summer, but who knows what his trade value was back then also. But like, I think it was higher than before this year started. Like I I think over the summer, maybe you get a third round pick from today. Honestly, maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick with um, between his injuries and his overall numbers. But that's the easy thing is to trade him. The hard one is trade Gibson, because again, there's not a lot of teams that are going to trade for John Gibson right now. He's going to be paid $6.4 million for four more years after this one. And that's a lot for a goaltender. Now, if you're a team that's on the cusp, you might risk it. If you're a team that thinks you're going to be on the cusp of the next one, two, three years, that makes more sense. So I think a team like Buffalo, maybe, um, Pittsburgh, maybe, because you know they're going for that, la- that last gas with Crosby and Malkin. But you've got to make the cap work, and that's hard for a goalie that is going to be signed for that long. And there's no way Ducks retain that unless they are given just a boatload of picks and prospects. And I think a team would be crazy to give up that much to get Gibson. Like if you give Gibson at 3.2 million, that'd be wonderful, but not expensive. You know, three first-round picks and two great prospects, which is what I think it would take something along those lines to make the Ducks have dead cap um, for the next four seasons and only be able to retain two salaries for. Um, two contracts over those four seasons instead of the usual three. So it would take a lot to get John Gibson right now. So I think Stolarz, he's the easier one. But the market may not be there. So post-trade deadline, if he's still here, I think the Ducks should waive him and put him in San Diego, which I hate to say because I like Stolarz a lot. But you got to get Donald playing as many Angel games as possible down the stretch. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that was one thing at the beginning of the season Eddie and I had talked about is that the Ducks were playing Gibson too much, and we were saying, hey, you need to play Stolarz in there. And then you remember they had issues, and they had Dostal up, they had uh, Eckerson Eck up, too. I mean, you know, they had both of them were out, and all kinds of things were going on. So I, 100%, I think the game plan, regardless of what you do at the trade deadline, is you get Dostal in there and get him as many looks as you can. And like you said, you want him on that roster, uh, you know, the rest of the season. Get him that playing time. Get him ready for next season. Um, also, another great point you said, you know, a lot of people attack Gibson this season uh, for the way he's played and whatnot. But, I mean, l- let's just be real. Look at the Ducks' defense. It- it's been, like, w- the worst, if not one of the worst in the league. I mean, come on. They've just been horrible. The defense has been terrible. Um, we've seen them turn over the puck a bazillion times, put Gibson in bad situations, um, giving up, uh, I want to say it's around 40 shots a game on net. I mean, it's it's just stupid how many shots on goal that the Ducks allow. Uh, it's a league high, too, as well, as far as shots on goal that they give up. Um, and that hasn't changed. Um, so, you know, when that's, I think, another point is it's hard to evaluate Gibson's value because, as you pointed out, yes, you, you have that contract. You, you have him signed. You know, he's, he's $6.4 million through the 26-27 uh, season. Um, you try to get a boatload of a return, like you said, but now his numbers don't look as good, which is what was also mentioned in the NHL.com article. So trying to, to, to evaluate that, I think it's tough um, to do that. Uh, I know Elliot Freeman did mention his article. He says that, that the Ducks and Gibson would like to find him a, quote, new home. So that's kind of an interesting thing in my mind because now are they, are they trying to work on something there, uh, you know, to actually get him to another team? And, and we know that, you know, he's been connected to Pittsburgh. Obviously, you know, he has family out there. That's the name that's been up there. You mentioned Buffalo again. Uh, I saw some other people talk about L.A. I, I, again, I, I don't see L.A. I don't know why why L.A.'s come up a couple times. But. No way. I mean, would they want him? Sure. But if L.A. makes a trade with the Ducks like that, the Ducks are going to say, you give us even more than anyone else if we're giving you, you know, this quality of goaltender. Yeah, and I mean, if you look look at the last game where the Ducks played the Kings and Gibson and Copley almost went at it at center ice, which, oh man, I was like, I, I thought it was going to happen. It didn't. So, I mean, to me, the freeway faceoff of old kind of returned in that game. I I, I don't see that happening. It, I mean, that that would be an earth-shattering trade. If, if Gibson went to the Kings, I think I would lose my mind. I, I don't think I would handle that, be able to handle that, uh, Thomas. I think the only way that would happen is if the Ducks trade Gibson elsewhere and then wherever, like, let's say they trade him to, I'm just going to name a random team, um, St. Louis, and then St. Louis trades him to LA. That's what, how it would have to go. Like, the Ducks, like, I think it was... Like a double trade. Martin, 
Yeah, when when Martin Jones was in L.A., they traded him out of conference. I think it was to Boston or something. And then Boston turned around and traded Martin Jones to San Jose. And the Kings were like, well, that's what we didn't want to happen. We didn't want him to stay in our division. Of course, at that point, Jones started imploding, so it wasn't that big a deal. But I remember L.A. was annoyed at that point because they wanted him out of the division. And, he, well, there he was. <laughs> so I think that was to take is you have to ship him to St. Louis. And then the Blues turn around and trade him to L.A. without the Ducks knowing that was going to happen. They'd be like, well, dang it. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't know why you know people bring up L.A. again. I'm like, no, nah, I, I don't think so. And yeah, I think what you said, it'd have to be some kind of three-way trade, you know, or, or where it's like that double trade deal, where that you know they make one trade and then another trade right after it or whatever, something something you know up that alley. But um, you know, I, I was thinking about Stolars too, and I was thinking you know the Ducks should trade him and try to get something. But then you know, I think about it, and you're right. I mean, like, what kind of value are they gonna get for him? I mean, he's a UFA at the end of the season. You know, his contract's just under a million. Uh, yeah, his numbers haven't been great either, but, we, you know, we already know, like we said, the Ducks' defense has been terrible. You know, none of the goalies are going to have, uh, you know, great numbers. So it's interesting. It, it, what what do they do? I mean, if they do try to find him a home, like Elliot Freeman talked about, you know, um, he did mention on the Duck stream, he said, you know, quote, I would like to think John Gibson uh, would like to be somewhere else where the cycle is closer to winning. And, and then he said, you know, he added, I don't think it's because he's unhappy. I mean, that's kind of interesting because we've heard grumblings of, of Gibson being frustrated. We'd seen some of these games where, you know, multiple goals are scored, bad turnovers, bad defense. And, and you can see that he's he's not happy, um, at least with the play of the defense in those games. Now, is he not happy to the point where he wants to go to another team? That's what I think is interesting because that did come up last season. And then the agent came out and denied that. So I'm wondering, you know, th- there is some smoke here going on uh, with this. So I'm very curious to see if he's traded. I I don't think he is traded at the deadline. I mean, I obviously think there's discussions. I mean, there's been discussions already. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. But I don't know. M- maybe maybe they don't do it. Maybe they wait till the summer, Thomas. I mean, what, what do you, what do you think on this whole situation? And the summer always is, quote-unquote, easier to make the trade because, you know, you don't have to worry about the cap as much. Um, you tend to have just more assets to play with at the time. Um, so summer, the draft is an easier time to do it. So I, I think that does make a lot more sense. You typically also have more teams in the ring, right? Right now, there's only a handful of teams who Gibson makes sense going to in the summer. That might open up a little bit. Then again, teams can only have two goaltenders, so you still have are working with a limited market. So... I do think the draft makes more sense than right now. I also think, you know, how can he not be? Fr- of course, he's frustrated. How can you, you would not be human if you were not frustrated with the team. But there's a difference between being frustrated with this season and being actually upset and unhappy and willing to leave. Like those are two very different things to me. So, is he frustrated? Yes. Does he want to leave? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I, I mean, I think. Like, we, we, we all have bad days at work. We're like, God, I don't want to be here anymore, right? Like, mm-hmm. we've all been in that situation. But the also it's like, this is maybe not a great place to work, but, you know, I enjoy it most of the time. And that's the question. Does Gibson enjoy being a duck most of the time still because of other factors besides, you know, the game itself? And that, I, I have no idea. And see, this is where I think this ties back into the defense. I'm, I think this this trade deadline, the whole thing hinges on what they do. And and, and you talked about it. You know, if they don't clean, uh, not trading Klingberg is is a, a big loss uh, in this deadline. Like he needs to go. And I and I and I still think Kulikov or Shattenkirk needs to go. And the Ducks need to get this blue line um, back. You know, in shape. I mean, you know, Vakanainen out, Drysdale out. Uh, those guys definitely, um, I, I thought they played decent when they were in. Obviously, it's not been for a long period of time, so it's not really saying too much. But uh, I, I think that's one thing that if they can fix that somehow and get it, you know, maybe if there's someone out there. I mean, I don't know if there's a guy that you think the Ducks should go try to get instead of just getting picks and prospects. I mean, is there a guy on the blue line that... I mean, we, we talked about this before, like when the Ducks won the Stanley Cup, right? They you know, had Pronger and they had Niedemeyer, right? You, you see, is this trade deadline to you about just, hey, we're just going to keep this rebuild going? Or, or do you think maybe there are some targets for the Ducks out there? It's not just, hey, we're just going to sell and trade off these players. Like, how do you feel this one's going to go? I think it's more about picks and prospects rather than NHL players. But, you know, 
this summer, depending on how things go, you could start looking at free agency or even at the trades and say, okay, player X is available, player Y is available. That's what we want to target to make this blue line better. But and the Ducks right now, I would argue their two best prospects are defensemen in Zellweger and Medjikov. And like you said earlier, defensemen take a long time to become not just good NHL players, but great NHL players. So they're not going to be... And, one or both may play for the next next season. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But neither of them are going to be an impact top four defenseman that start to help turn this team around. They won't be at that um, point for probably two or three years, maybe even longer, depending on how that development goes. I, w- I would love it to be shorter, but other than Kale McCarr and Adam Fox, you know, it's going to take a little more time for most defensemen to get there. So right now, there's not one I have in mind specifically, but I just think you know, the more picks you get, the more prospects you get, the better. I, I, let's call Drew Hellison. Let's see what he can do against Angel Competition. He was called it back in November, I think. Didn't play, but you know, mm-hmm. let's give him that Angel time. Yeah, I'm with you. White was you know, another one with Strand that obviously I talked about earlier in the show. Throw him in the mix. They, they surprisingly seem to do well in the limited action that they had. I, I'd like to see more of that. I, um, I do think... The full rebuild would be, like you said, would be, you know, you, you do Klingberg, Kulikov, or Shattenkirk, or maybe both. You, you get picks, uh, prospects, and maybe you do Dolak Gibson. If you can get a, a, a huge return for him and you're okay with it, I mean, it really depends on where Verbeek's head is in this. I mean, if they are trying to find him another place where he wants to win, if, if that's legit, I mean, that's what Elliot Freeman's saying, you know, a lot of his stuff is on on the mark but sometimes he says stuff to say stuff <laughs> i hate to say it but he does so you know i don't know how much validity there is and and both sides wanting to move um if there's a lot of traction to that then you may see gibson and ducks get a bunch and i mean we could be in for a, a huge huge trade deadline as far as speeding up this rebuild i personally don't think it's going to happen with gibson that's just my take i think maybe they do try to you know, do something with uh, Stolars and get a high pick. I don't know if that's going to materialize. I think, like you said, it's kind of tough to do that. That's that's kind of where I'm at with this. I, I just don't, I don't know. It, it's interesting because if there's another report out there other than Elliot Freeman's, then fine. Because, uh, you know, the NHL.com website was just one talking about whether the Ducks go full rebuild by trading Gibson or do they try to keep him, you know, build around him and get the team going. I, and I think... That's a huge question for Brabeek. What what does he do? I mean, do you keep Gibson and, and try to build up around him defensively? Or is Dosso your guy in the future? Because it's not Stolarz. We know that. They would have tried to resign him or do something. I don't see him being the lead guy. So it's an interesting point in time where the Ducks are at, either this trade deadline or summer. I, I think they have to make a choice, Thomas. I think that they're going to have to decide between Gibson and Dosso at some point. I think they will, but I think they've got time. So, like I said earlier, you want to play Dostal as much as you can this year, and you go into next year with Dostal as your backup. And if Gibson's your starter, that's great. Gibson starts, let's say he gets 50, 60 games. Dostal gets somewhere in the 30-game mark. And I think that'd be good. And then I think if Dostal next year is good enough in those 30-plus games, then that summer is when you really um, say, okay, now let's trade Gibson and turn the reins over to Dostal. Because goaltending, you know, we've seen with Gibson, it's a very volatile position, and it's hard to say how good or bad a goalie will be from one year to the next. So I want Dostal to have as much time in the NHL before um, trading Gibson. But if you do trade Gibson, you do need an NHL veteran to help out Dostal. And I, I don't know who that would be, but I wouldn't want to, like, next year, if it's Dostal Stolars, oh, I, I really wouldn't want that for the Ducks. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of why I lean towards them not trading Gibson right now because you're right. I mean, if you you bring Dostal up, right, and say they don't re-sign Stolars or, the, or the, they do and it's them two and Gibson's gone, I mean, is he quite ready yet? I, I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm kind of leaning more towards they don't trade Gibson, at least at the trade deadline. Unless they're going to go out, like you said, and there's another NHL-type goalie, um, that can, you know, like a Miller type, right? A, guy, a veteran guy that's going to be there and mentor Dostal, but not necessarily be your every night starter. If that's a direction maybe that Verbeek wants to go into, I, I could see something like that. But, but you're right. If you trade Gibson, it's Dostal, and then you don't even know who the backup is. I mean, that's going to be scary next season. Yeah. 
So, you know, a lot to talk about. I mean, with this team, I think another thing that you brought up, kind of thinking outside of the box, you know, maybe people haven't talked about this as much, but Henry Thrun, kind of disappointing. He did not sign with the Ducks. Um, I'll let you kind of explain that. Some people freaked out and thought it was like a loophole, but um, I'll let you talk about that because you cover the prospects. You write a lot of articles um, in the summertime, and you also cover a lot of stuff with the goals during the season. Just kind of get your take on that. And, and if you think, because the, the Ducks do still have his rights, if maybe that's a, uh, a trade that can factor somewhere in here in the trade deadline. So so what's your take on, on the Thrun situation, You know why he didn't sign, and, and, and what do you think is going to maybe happen? So for Thrun, for, for any player drafted out of college, um, the instant you sign a pro contract, you are no longer eligible to play NCAA hockey because NCAA are supposed to only be amateur players. Um, so if you sign a contract, you can no longer play uh, college hockey, and therefore you are either in the NHL or AHL or ECHL, frankly, depending on who you are. Uh, if you play four years of college hockey and you don't sign uh, a contract with the team that drafted you, uh, I believe the date is August 15th. Um, after your senior year, you become a free agent. Um, it is not a loophole. Uh, it's just a choice a player can make. And most players who are going to be stars or even very good players are not going to spend four years in college. Let's be honest. Uh, most of them within a year or two, you know, CZ Egress last year, uh, Matthew Nyes in uh, Toronto is, gonna, is a sophomore. Now he's probably going to sign up for this season and join them. Most players who are likely stars or even just good players are going to sign within one to two years, maybe within three. So most players aren't going to play four years and then become a free agent unless they aren't considered a very good prospect. Now, Thrun is an exception to the rule. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to be a very good, just all-around number four, number five guy someday. He is not elite in any one category, but I do think he is just very well-rounded in almost every category, and I love players like that. So it's disappointing to see him say, you know what, I am go- I don't want to uh, sign with you, Anaheim. But, you know, it's February. I appreciate he told the Ducks six months in advance so they've got time to figure out what to do with him. And here's the nice thing. The trade deadline isn't actually going to impact trading Thrun. They can trade him later on. The trade deadline is all about um, players who are eligible to really play uh, for your team in the playoffs. So, you know, the Ducks and the, the Blackhawks could make a trade in April. And it wouldn't mean anything because the teams aren't going to the playoffs, so they could make whatever deal they wanted in that situation. Now, for Thrun, he is on the team's reserve list. Um, so that means the Ducks own his rights, even though he's not signed to a contract. And because he's on the reserve list, he might need to be on a team's reserve list to join the, for the playoffs. So if, like, let's say he's traded to Carolina. Um, if they want him to possibly use in the playoffs, he might need to be on their reserve list before the trade deadline. So he might need to be traded before then. But if he's going to be traded to, like, let's say... Because, again, he's a good young defenseman. He's young... Um, there's 31 teams in the league who want him. So I could see Chicago. I could see Columbus. They could call the Ducks and say, hey, we want front. You can make that deal after the deadline. So there's not that doesn't have to be done, you know, real soon. That can be done a month or two from now. Now, the danger is, what can you actually get for him? Thrun was a fourth-round pick. If you, uh, What can you get for him realistically? Maybe a third-round pick. The team's really desperate, really holding him that much. Maybe a second-round pick. Um, but they also have to be sure they're going to be able to sign him. Because you can trade him to whoever you want, but he does not have to sign there, and he can still become a free agent on August 15th. Now, my hope is because he told the Ducks so early on um, that he doesn't want to sign there, he's expecting to be traded. And he, in a way, almost has a no-trade clause because, you know, again, if he's traded to San Jose and he doesn't want to sign there, he doesn't have to and becomes a free agent. So maybe he's told the Ducks and say, hey, here are teams I would actually consider signing with, here are teams I would not consider signing with, and that could play a role into where he's dealt. Um, or, you know, the Ducks could just not tell anyone what he's thinking, and that's the risk a team has to take by t- um, taking him on. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. You know, the Ducks will hold his rights until August, and then on the 15th, he's a free agent. He can sign where he wants, and nothing happens. Uh, given um, how good of a prospect I think he is, I really hope that doesn't happen. But that that is a real possibility that could happen. Yeah, that that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. I, I I almost think that that's going to happen because, like you're talking about, yeah, he did give them notice. Yes, they have six months, which is, is great. And like you said, you ha- you have that time till August, so that that's you know helps out and gives the Ducks time. But I mean, unless there's someone he really wants to go to, 
I mean, like you said, the Ducks could trade him to someone, and then he tells them to pound sand because he still he still has to sign with that other team. Yeah, it's a risk for any team to acquire him because he he holds the power in that regard. So I I almost feel like the Ducks are going to say, "Hey, who do you want to sign with?" And those are the teams we're going to talk to. But yeah, who knows? It it, it his will be. I, I'm not really seeing a. And all the trade articles, no one's really talking about him leading up to the deadline. He's actually one that could really tip the scale. So, uh, again, Buffalo, they want players that they can have for the next several years, not just a rental. I think they would be a team or a team like Buffalo, Detroit. Those are teams that would be very, Ottawa maybe also as well, very interested in the front because they're, he can join them for the next several years. It's not just a, um, there for a couple of months and be done. Yeah, that's why I almost wonder if he, if he could be packaged with somebody, you know, if, yeah. if it happens at the deadline. Yeah, I, I think him being part of a package deal would make a, a lot of sense. Yeah, so something else to monitor there. Um, any other, uh, as we wind it down, any other um, trades on this show that maybe you see the Ducks involved in or any other teams that maybe you think that, uh, you know, keep an eye on, you know, as, as the trade deadline comes up? So earlier today, the uh, Ottawa Senators traded Zaitsev to Chicago, and I think they gave the Hawks also a second-round pick to take that salary. That was a deal I was really hoping the Ducks would be in on, you know, they need NHL bodies. They trade away half their defense. Give us Zaitsev, take the, and give us the pick. Yes, please. So, anyone like that, um, I really want the Ducks to be in on. Uh, and I know there are, are uh, players like that, like we already mentioned, like Puliyarvi. Um, also, one more note on Thrun. Uh, I think if he's not traded by the draft, I think the odds of him just becoming a free agent in August um, increase considerably. Um, so I think the Ducks really have before the, up to the draft to trade his rights. If not by then, then I think he just walks uh, on August 15th. Um, but the good news is, uh, like we said earlier, uh, Jackson Lacombe is expected to sign with the Ducks when his call season is over. Um, he was a second-round pick and actually the year that Thrun was uh, chosen in the fourth round. Um, I think Thrun is the more well-rounded player, but Lacombe is the more offensively gifted player. Um, he was a forward who converted to defense, um, so he's got a very interesting skill set for the back end. Um, so... I would like to see him, like I said earlier, uh, in Anaheim uh, before the year is over. Um, kind of like Terry did when he first signed with the Ducks. You know, his season at Denver ended. He signed with the Ducks. He played only a handful of games uh, the rest of the way. Um, but, you know, let's give, let's give him some angel experience if we can. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And, and yeah, you're right. I, I think Thrun, is, is, you know, even though it's August, you're, you're probably right. If nothing happens by the draft, then it's done. So... Uh, I guess one last thing that we'll kind of finish up with has, has been a topic. Um, our other writer, George, put this uh, together an article, which we'll put out soon. And it's a, and it's a question a lot of people have talked about uh, because I've gotten mixed reviews from people. I've gotten people that, you know, they don't they don't go to the games or they don't watch as much and, and they're frustrated um, with the rebuild and they think the rebuild is taking too slow. I've even seen people um, not happy with Verbeek. Um, you know, it's only his first full, you know, season, but there's, you know, people are upset and I get it. I mean, you know, the Ducks are <laughs> plus minus, you know, goal differential of, you know, over minus a hundred now. I mean, it's crazy. Not the worst ever in the league, but I mean, it's really bad. So, uh, the question here, I guess, kind of looking at what's going on with the team, we have this, you know, this will be the second trade deadline with Verbeek. Uh, and it's, you know, we're coming up. You know, roughly a year or so with him being in the organization doing stuff. Um, do you think the rebuild is going in the wrong direction? Is it too slow? Is is there more that Verbeek should be doing? Um, I mean, is there anything I guess you would change at, at this point? I mean, it's only been a year, but but people are freaking out. So, just kind of what's your take on that? We'll we'll wrap up the show on the, on this point. So, a couple of things about that. I think first. If you're looking back to the Murray to Bob Murray's final years before Verbeek joined, then yes, it is taking too long because Murray should have started this process sooner. Verbeek, though, he's only been there for a year. He accelerated it. I like the deals he made last year. I don't love the deals he made, um, but he got solid returns. But like, let's look at Lindholm for example. He has been phenomenal this season. Just he's been one of the best defensemen in the league arguably the best defenseman on the best team in the league. And if the if the Ducks and Bruins knew how good he was going to be this year, no question, Ducks would have gotten more for him a year ago. But no one knew. Like Last year, at, once he was with Boston, he was good. He wasn't great. This year, he has legitimately been great. And if you knew how good he was going to be this year, you would have gotten a better return. So 
I would have liked to see Verbeek get a little more on all the deals he made last year. I think the exception is the Delorier deal, since we got him for a fourth round pick and trade him for a third round pick. Love that. That's great use of assets. But Raquel, Manson, Lindholm, I would have liked to see more from all of them. That being said, those were all solid deals. You know, he got a lot of picks. He got a couple of prospects in Hellison and Klang. And, you know, he got good value, not great value so i'm hoping this time around he can get great value but again given the season the ducks are having he's not going to get a first for klingberg it's not going to happen if he can get two seconds i would love that at this point so it's hard you know i don't think the rebuild is just from Verbeek's perspective going too slow i do think he was handcuffed because it wasn't started sooner by bob murray like it should have been i think no that's a great point no go ahead that that's a great point and I also think that the the two big sorry the three big free agency made in the off summer Vertrano, Strom, Klingberg, none of those have worked out great. Klingberg was the one who I was really hopeful on and has just been not good. Um, Strom and Vertrano, I kind of has always viewed them as more complementary pieces rather than you know true top six forward. I think Vertrano is a great third line winger. You know. He gets a lot of shots off. He's fast. He's smart. He's not the best offensive abilities. So I want that kind of player on my third line. He's often used in the top six this year because the Ducks have no one else there instead. So if the Ducks had a better top six and could have the Toronto and or Strom on the third line, they're a much deeper team. Then those deals, I think, look a lot better. So the free agent deals he signed, they weren't great, but I don't think they were terrible. Oh, I think Klingberg, Strom, and Toronto were not terrible. They haven't worked as well. With a better team, though, I think they would have worked a lot better. Yeah, I think you summed it up nicely. I, I think the big thing that people forget is, and you, and you said it, that Verbeek was handcuffed by Murray and, and the stuff that he had done previously. And I think absolutely. And I think he did what he needed to do in the last trade deadline. And definitely you can argue that he could have gotten more for some people. And, and like you said, yes, you look at Lindholm after the fact and whatnot, of course. But... He did the moves he had to make then. Um, he, he did make the moves in the summer. I'm with you. I was really happy that Klingberg was coming in. I thought, hey, I, I knew that they had the option of flipping him, but I kind of hoped that he was going to be a guy to stay there and, and be big to help the Ducks, and, and he really didn't work out. Um, Vetrano and uh, Strom, they're, they're kind of where I expected them. I mean, Vetrano's got 15 goals, so he can still get to the 20-goal mark. Strom's at 11. Probably, you know, maybe it's going to be kind of tough. You know, you only got, you know, 24 games or so left to go. I don't, I don't know if he's really going to reach it, but they're kind of where I thought they were going to be um, offensively. Um, defensively, yeah, not not really the best. Uh, like you said, you know, not necessarily both top six guys, but with what the, the way the Ducks lineup's been, they've, they've been top six, definitely top nine. Um, so I don't think it's going in the wrong direction. I, I think, yes, people are frustrated. Uh, yes, the defense has been god-awful. And I think, for me, what happens at this trade deadline is really going to set it up going forward. And if not a lot happens, and only a couple little things happen here or there, then, yeah, maybe we revisit it. But, you know, as far as it, it's gone, and it's only been a year, um, I, I think you're right. He, he was dealt a, a hand. You know, it wasn't the worst hand, but I mean, there were things that he had to do to fix it. Um, and I think he handled it well last time. So I, I think here he's got another opportunity um, to, to really speed it up or at least make some more moves to, to get it back on track. So, you know, I don't think it's going in the wrong direction. I just think that, unfortunately, it, it's not as fast as maybe some people want it to be, Thomas. And another problem also, not just Murray, but, you know, a number of players, frankly, like, Raquel and Holmanson over the last few years before they were traded, they were not as good as they were in previous years. Like, you know, Raquel had back-to-back 30-goal seasons, and then after that, just, you know, he didn't even hit 20 goals until um, he, I think he'll hit that this year if he hasn't already. So his value was much lower than it should have been, which is, again, one of the reasons why he did not bring back a first-round pick like I thought he could have. But, you know, if you're trading a proven 30-goal winger, you're going to get that first-round pick back. But when he hasn't hit 30 goals in a number of seasons, you're not going to get that first-round pick back. So, do I want more of those trades? Yes, but given how those players had been trading, how they had been playing up to that point, you know, the returns make a lot of sense, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and you touched on it too earlier in the show. Sometimes players get traded to other teams, and then, you know, chemistry, coaching, 
um, you know, uh, ice time, whatever it is, a lot of factors that can change, you know, analytics with line mates. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to look at those afterwards and go, oh man, like, uh, you know, you know, we should have got all this, 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 and that. Well, I mean, I, I thought he did pretty, pretty good, like you said. So, I, I would say patience, but um, we're going to have that article. Uh, I'm going to post that soon from George. So he's going to give his take on the rebuild and if it's going in the wrong direction. So you guys can read that leading up to the trade deadline. Um, and we'll have this podcast. And then I don't know exactly what I'm going to do on trade deadline. I don't know if we're going to do a live show. We'll definitely do one recapping it for sure. So look forward for that. Um, the show's kind of in flux the next month or so. Uh, Thomas will definitely probably be on here for a majority of it as we finish out this season. So, um, again, check out all the articles he does. He does a great job. Uh, follow all our stuff. We appreciate all the support. And, uh, you know, have some patience and see what happens at the trade deadline. And let's go, Ducks. <laughs>